There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for the Word of God, thankful for the privilege we have to be on the podcast. We're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do, continuing this week, tonight and tomorrow night here in Stockton Springs, Maine, for the Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church. We thank the Lord for the good services thus far. Thank the Lord for the liberty we've had. It was Sunday. We had a tremendous day. A lot of visitors coming in, folks coming in to hear the preaching. And so we appreciate the opportunity we've had to preach. Now, uh, people say, is the is the benchmark of a meeting visitors coming in? Well, if you preach to empty pews, it's not much of a meeting. So when you have folks to preach to, it's a great blessing. It's a great opportunity. And we certainly thank the Lord for that. On Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be at the Grace Baptist Church in Oxford, North Carolina. That's going to be at 9.30, 10.30, and then about to probably 1.30 to 2 o'clock. Uh, we'll have an afternoon service. And then Lord willing, uh, that night, uh, Brother Rick Rose is going to be down in uh, Spring Hope, North Carolina, and we'll hopefully go down and support the meeting there. Then we'll continue to be there at Grace Monday through Wednesday, 7.30 each night, prayer at 7 o'clock. We look forward to the Word of God being preached. And then after that, we're going to head back home, Lord willing, for just a day, and then head to Black Creek, New York, for the Black Creek Baptist Church, a uh, annual fall revival. And I've been a part of that meeting now for, I guess, 12 or 13 years. I've preached that meeting, I believe, nine or 10 of the last years. And so we certainly look forward to what the Lord is going to do in the weeks to come and continue on with the Word of God and preach it. Matthew chapter 8 is where we are today. And we're going to begin in verse 18, where we left off last time. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And it's interesting that when he saw the multitudes, he wanted to depart to the other side. He was never trying to draw a crowd. He was never trying to attract a crowd. Now, you say he wasn't concerned about visitors. Well, I think it's a little bit different context there. There are folks there that came to see the spectacle. I reckon when I come to preach, there's not many folks come to see the spectacle. We don't have a lot of show. This isn't the greatest show on earth by any means. But Jesus Christ, because of the, what he was doing with healing and touching men, uh, there were those that would come and hear him, those who would crowd around, those who would press in because they wanted to hear him. They weren't necessarily interested in him being the son of God, but they heard about a man who was healing people. He had healed the leper, healed Peter's mother-in-law. And we know that others, Lord, were touched by him. And so therefore, it drew us a crowd. There were those that came to see. You hold healing services in an auditorium around any area in the United States today, and you announce long enough and go to the right churches and the right people and announce a healing service, people will come to see the spectacle. There are folks that hope they truly will be healed. There are no doubt there's a multitude. Some are hoping to be healed. Some are hoping that he would touch them. But a lot of them just came to see him. But the scribe says unto him, I will follow thee with us wherever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. 
And so that's the uh, that's the context that Jesus Christ is speaking in here. Because a lot of folks say they'll follow Christ, but then hardship comes and they fall by the wayside. Uh, there's those that, and we understand that's scriptural. We understand that sun comes out and beats down. And uh, that tribulation comes, and folks can't handle the stress of religion, and they fall to the wayside because, really, they have no root. They have no strength. They have nothing in them. They never produce fruit. And uh, I believe, of course, in the parable of the sower, these are those that have not been born again. They do not have understanding. They just like religion or church, and they yoke up for a short time, come together for a short time. But he said, the foxes have holes, the birds there have nests. But you know who doesn't have a place to lay his head? The Son of Man does not. And the preacher that we're with this week, Brother Pelkey, has been sharing. He's in a study on the Son of Man. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is identified as the Son of Man. When he comes in Matthew, he tells them he's the Son of Man over and over again. I believe over 80 times in the four Gospels, he tells me, I am the Son of Man, the Son of Man. Far more than he identifies himself as the Son of God. That is interesting. You get in the epistles, going to Peter and John, and they refer to the Son of God. And God has revealed that he was his son. But yet Jesus Christ speaks of the Son of Man often. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now the context here is the same, but no man, uh, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And we understand that's the context in which he speaks here. Because Jesus says unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. But I got to go do this. got to go take care of this. Let, follow me. Let the dead bury their dead. And the, really speaking of spiritually dead, he's speaking of those without faith, but let them bury the dead. And that starts great controversy, great problems for people today. And in, in ministry, and you go, and I guess one of the, the negative aspects of fast travel, you can always jump on an airplane to be anywhere in the world in under 24 hours. And uh, you have that ability. And uh, therefore, his demands are put on men concerning those things of funerals and burials and weddings and things like that. And there's a great strain put upon the ministry today, but you realize that Jesus Christ said, let the dead bury the dead. Let those that are spiritually dead go ahead and bury those that are spiritually dead physically as well. But what we're looking at here is an understanding that Jesus Christ comes first. The ministry comes first. I've not, thankfully, had to be confronted with that. I've never had to deal with choosing preaching over a funeral. But the reality is um, we've told folks before, if we're on the road and your mother dies and your father dies, your husband dies, we won't be back for the funeral because of the ministry of the gospel is the most important thing. And that's so foreign to people today. It's like folks that skip church for a family reunion. They can't imagine missing their family reunion. They can't imagine not going where their family is. They can't imagine, but yet their family's died and going to hell. And they'll miss church because they don't can't imagine not going where their family is. And the reality is they're probably going to join their family ultimately in eternity anyway, because they don't consider Jesus Christ above everything else. And I'm not saying everybody that skips church is lost, but where's your priority? Where's the priority of serving God? Where's the priority of living for God? I had a dear friend of mine. He would not take a vacation over a Sunday because he had duties at the church. He had a ministry in his local church of teaching and preaching the, to the young people. And he just said, I'll not take a vacation over a Sunday. And I never knew unless he was deathly ill or when his chimney caught fire, I never knew him to miss the ministry that God had called him to. He wouldn't even vacate over that. And when they asked Brother Harold Seidler about taking a vacation, he said, he said, I heard it myself on tape and uh, it had been translated in, into digital. But he said, he said, why would I take a vacation? I love to preach. They said, Brother Seidler, why don't you get away and take some time off? He said, I don't need time off. I love to preach. And he would not leave over a Sunday, would not leave over a Wednesday, wanted to be in the house of God. I've heard of preachers that 
uh, traveled and preached great meetings, but they always were home on Wednesday night. Now, I know these are just examples, and you have to do what God wants you to do and be what God wants you. My wife and I will take a vacation. We do attend church on vacation. We attend church that we're in fellowship with, and we know normally when we're on vacation. But the reality of most folks is that they don't even concern themselves with that because they're not following Christ. And therefore, they'll skip anything. They go to church. They'll go to funerals and weddings and reunions and pretty much anything else that comes in the way. And I, yet God knows these things. And why aren't you following him? If you're going to follow him, you got to take up your cross. If you're going to follow him, you can't put your hand to the plow and turn back. You must follow him bodily. You must follow him with all of your body. That's your flesh, by the way. And you follow him, and you, you can present your body a living sacrifice, and your flesh will follow him. My friend, your spirit has no trouble following him. It's your flesh that doesn't want to follow him. He says, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Why is he going to cross over? Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And I find it interesting that he calls them men of little faith, and they certainly were men of little faith. But I also find it quite interesting that he asked, Why are you fearful? God has not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and what a sound mind. We know that entering into that new Jerusalem, the fearful will not be there. Why? Because they've never had trust. They live in fear. They live in anxiety. They live perplexed. They live confounded. Their fears overthrow them. I know people that are absolutely paralyzed by fear. And they just had an incident yesterday. And we're up here in Maine. We went to a park. And a lady came out of one of the outdoor outhouses that they use at the park and complained about it. And she said, that's like an outhouse in there. And she goes, there's not even any hand soap. And she tells my wife and I, and I just said verbally, I said, well, I don't care about all that. But what's most interesting is she was in there by herself and she was wearing a paper mask. And I understand that, you know, I would have liked to have wore a mask in there. And once I left, I regretted not having a mask, but I needed something stronger than a paper mask. I probably needed a gas mask or maybe scuba gear. Uh, But she was concerned about the bugs. I went to shop just the other day on the way up here. And a lady held the door for me with her elbow. And when I watched her when she leave, and she kicked her with her toe and again put her elbow on, had her, her hands wrapped up in her sleeves. And then got in the car and proceeded to put hand sanitizer on her elbow where it touched the door. People live in fear. They're paralyzed by fear. And yet spiritually, there are so many people in fear spiritually, but they will not come to that fear. They will not acknowledge that the storm in their life is God. And I love what Brother Stephen Asquith preached. If you've not heard that, you need to go onesoulatatime.net under Preacher's Corner. And Stephen Asquith did a Saturday Backports Bible study. And he asked people at that Bible study. He said, these things that come in your life and these tragedies, and he said, you, you feel like you've got an awful life and you're miserable and you're depressed. He said, did you ever consider that God's done that to you? Did you ever consider that God's the one doing this? And I suspect most people never consider that. Uh, they certainly think the, more highly of themselves than God does, and they think that God thinks more highly of them than what he does, and it's never considered one time in their life. They've never considered that God has done this to them. They live in fear continually, and they never understand that that's God. That's God. He doesn't give them the spirit of fear, but he's trying to show them that they're fearful. He's taking the word of God and showing them they're fearful. I watch people in the conviction. They'll flee from the word of God. They'll run from the why fear. They don't want to be confronted with what they are. They don't want to be confronted with their sin. And I've watched them run out of services, and they don't think anything wrong with that. I watch them all of a sudden get a bout of dysentery and run out the door, and they don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
They flee from the word of God. They don't think there's anything wrong with that. They cannot see that it's God trying to afflict them, that they can see the truth, that they would see my problem is me. My problem is not the fear of the world, the fear of the things around me. It's not, my problem is not fear of what man can do to me. He says, I don't have faith to believe God. That's why he equates those two together. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And if you listen to this podcast and you live in fear, let me ask you the same thing. Fearful, O ye of little faith, why do you fear? If you have faith, why are you worried? If you believe God, what are you perplexed about? What are you worried about? What is the fretting of your life if you believe God? And yet, folks have paralyzed in fear. And I remember when the church is shut down, the great argument that the fearful used. And they would say, well, you know, they go back to the Bible and say, you know, we're to obey principalities and governments, and they have the rule and they have the law. Uh, but he just said, so rather obey God rather than man. And would they obey God? No. What did he say? Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That's what God said. And I certainly think we ought to obey God rather than man. And, you know, and folks weigh on that different at levels. And I know deacon boards got together and voted to close down. And, and pastors ruled and said, we're going to close down. I remember some folks came to me and said, we don't agree with our church shutting down. What do you do? I said, well, you're a member. Go open the doors up and have preaching. And they said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I'll come preach to you. I'll be glad to come preach. I was being serious, too. No person has a right to shut the doors of the church. When that church as a body is voted to keep those doors open, there's now the church gets together and votes and says, hey, we're going to shut the doors and we're going to close down. There's something wrong with that, but not over fear. My goodness, friend, if you're fearful of those things, won't you obey God? Won't you follow the word of God? Yet people are paralyzed. They're so afraid. They watch the news. They're paralyzed. I know saints of God that live with triple deadbolts and security lights and loaded shotguns all over their house. Why? Because of that fear. And so he says, oh, you have little faith. So where does fear come from? You don't have faith. Or if you do have faith, it's little faith. Why do we fear? We have little faith. We don't have strong faith. We have little faith. Why do we live in fear of this world? Because we have little faith. And I know people that live in fear, their children will be overthrown in this world. And they live in that constant fear. Is your God not big enough to deliver them? If they're willing to make that choice to follow him, is he not willing and able to deliver them? Is he not able to keep them from the evil of this day? You can raise them the best you possibly can. You don't know what your children are going to do. So what you do is you throw caution to the wind in those things. Preach the word of God. Teach the word of God. Live it yourself. Keep them under the word of God. Keep yourself in subjection to the word of God. Live in a life that's exemplary to them. But they can look at you and say, you know what, daddy and mommy lived this life. I too can live this life. They didn't give into this world. I don't have to give into this world. But they're paralyzed by fear. Why are we paralyzed by fear? There's no faith. And some folks have such little faith. They claim they believe God. They'll brag about it. They'll boast about it. They'll testify about it. How much faith they have. How much they believe God. What God means to them. And all the things that God's done for them. And yet God can't keep them from the evil of the day. What a scary thing that is. They can't trust God to keep them from the awfulness. They cannot trust God to keep them from the vices of this world. They can't trust God to keep them from the wickedness that's going on in this world. We're in a generation of little faith. And the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? They missed what he said. All they saw was a miracle once again. They didn't understand. Yet he opened their understanding in Luke 24. They didn't understand that this was Jesus Christ. They didn't understand that it was more of what he said than just the winds and the waves being still. What he said to them is, you have little faith. 
And that's what really should have stopped him in their tracks. It was no surprise that he's calmed the waves and calmed the wind. That shouldn't have been a surprise. They've already seen the miracles. They know he can do the miracles. But what should have shocked them was he said, oh, ye of little faith. They fear because they did not believe. That's what should have put them on their knees. But yet at this point, this time, it still did not put them on their knees. And I could say to you, oh, ye of little faith, and yet it still won't put you on your knees. I could say you're fearful because you don't believe and won't put you on your knees. You long for the miracles. You long to see God do great and mighty things, but you have little faith to do it. And so when God does do it, you can't see what he really did. All you see is the loudness. All you see is the explosion. All you see is the fireworks. And you can't see the little things that God has done. You cannot see the grace of God working. And my friend, I pray your faith is great. If your faith is not great, you know what Jude said in verse 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. How do you do that? You build up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And if you have little faith, you live in fear, why don't you build up that faith? Why don't you believe God? Why don't you put your faith on trial and prove that God can and will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think? Why don't you prove God? Have a great day. We'll be back on here, Lord willing, tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.